Well, hello everyone. We are here. Oh, we're ready to go. We are ready to go. We've been in a series entitled Life Lessons from Bible People. Today we're going to look at somebody named Jehu. You say like, who who? Jehu. And you know, Jehu is going to teach us some really important lessons. He's going to teach us that there are three levels that you can live life at. And we're going to see that the one that he lived life at, that wasn't that good. And I hope that we can derive some perfect, beautiful, godly lessons for our lives too. So thank you for coming along to today's edition of New Hope Radio. Okay, like I said, there are three levels in life that we, as God's people, can ascribe to. Now, the first one, most of us would not want to remain there. I'll tell you what that is in a second. The second level, most of us would see it as too difficult to attain. And therefore, the remaining one seems to be the common choice. And unfortunately, this common choice You know, it's not really the best choice. The level that I'm talking about, these three levels, we've got number one, the low level of life. We've got, secondly, the high level of life. And then thirdly, we've got the mediocre level of life. Mediocrity. Now again, not many want to live at the low level. It presents a life of struggles, maybe even boredom, hardship. Many see the high level, oh, that's too difficult. That's too much stretching. That's too much work. They see the difficulty and it just maybe overwhelms them. And then there's the level of mediocrity. That seems to be where most people settle in. You think? You think? Most people live their lives at a level of mediocrity. What is mediocrity? It's the quality or the state of being mediocre. Neither very good nor very bad. It's like right in the middle. Not hot, not cold. Lukewarm? Perhaps. Jehu, the guy that we're going to study today, he was a man who settled for, oh, here it comes, Mediocrity. But you know what? He had tremendous potential. Oh, he could have lived life at the highest level, level two. But he didn't do it. He didn't do it. Let me give you a little profile of Jehu so we know this character that we'll be talking about. He was a successful king, king of Israel. He had great potential to be more than what he attained. He was used by God to punish evil nations. But there was a problem. Jehu was a man of immediate action, but without ultimate purpose. Oh, let me say that again. Jehu was a man of immediate action, but without ultimate purpose. 
He did not realize who he was in God. You know, that's a realization we all have to make, isn't it? Who am I in God? Not who am I. Not who am I in the world. Not who am I at work. Who am I in God? Oh, that's the question today. We're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 9, and it opens up with the prophet Elisha. And he's sending a messenger with a flask of oil to anoint Jehu. He's being called by God. He's going to be the next king of Israel. Incredible. You think that's good news? You think it's good news to be anointed the next king of Israel? I will say that's a pretty good promotion, wouldn't you? So the messenger, he said, furthermore, avenge the lives of the prophets that were destroyed by the wicked queen Jezebel. These are instructions that are going to Jehu. You're going to be the next king. Avenge the lives of the prophets that Jehu Jezebel killed and her husband Ahab. And he said, you know how Jezebel's going to die? She's going to be eaten by dogs. I'm like, man, I'll tell you what, if somebody told me my death was going to be because of being eaten by dogs, I'd never go to a kennel. (laughs) I'd never get puppies. How do you avoid that? But that's what happened. Now, try to put yourself here. There's going to be kind of a, a humorous scene coming up. Try to put yourself in this particular scene. The servants said to Jehu, What's the matter? What did the messengers say, Jehu? And you know what Jehu, Jehu said? Oh, nothing. Just talk, you know. Just small talk. And the, the servants said to Jehu, You're lying. Tell us what they said. And Jehu said, well, thus says the Lord, I've anointed you king over Israel. He wasn't expecting this. He's like, man, that's a big promotion. You know, someone comes to your house and says, you're going to be the CEO of GM. What? That's a big promotion for Jehu. So when Jehu gave the servants the news and said, they want me to be the next king of Israel, the servants all ran outside. They said, blow the trumpet. Jehu is king. Blow the trumpet. So what happened was, okay, Jehu, he did answer God's call. He became a fierce warrior, and the dread of him was in the hearts of the nations. And all that he did was foretold by God. Yeah, he fulfilled the prophecies. He was a valiant fighter. He destroyed the enemies of God. He was the instrument that God used to carry it out. Jehu is on his way. He's on his way to the highest level. He's going to the high level of life. He's going from the low to the high. He was in the hands of God. He was used especially by God to destroy Ahab and Jezebel and all their offspring because they were, they were wicked people Wicked parents with wicked kids. You know, most of the time, maybe not all the time, wicked parents can make wicked kids. 
Not all the time. Sometimes wicked parents are a turnoff to their kids and their kids go the other way and they want to be good. But generally speaking, parents are role models. Their parents are wicked. Their kids will probably be pretty wicked too. So Jehu, he makes war with the worshipers of Baal. You know, Baal is Baal is the false god that all these neighboring countries worshipped. False god. And, and that Baal guy, he was responsible for, like, human sacrifice. People did awful things in worship to this Baal. So we pick it up in Second Kings, chapter 10, and I want us to see something very, very unique. Jehu gathered all the people and he said to them, Ahab served Baal a little. Jehu will serve him much. Now that'll make you wonder, won't it? He said, Now summon all the prophets of Baal and all his worshippers and all his priests and let no one be missing. For I have a great sacrifice for Baal. Whoever is missing shall not live. But Jehu did it in cunning. In other words, he was being a little deceptive so that he might destroy all the worshipers of Baal. And Jehu said, Sanctify a solemn assembly for Baal. And they proclaimed it. What he's saying is, we're going to have a special holiday, a holy day for Baal. And I want everybody to gather together. And he sent throughout Israel, And all the worshipers of Baal came, so that there was not a man left who did not come. And when they went into the house of Baal, oh, the house of Baal, it was filled from one end to the other. Jehu gathered them all into the house of Baal. He made sure there were no worshipers of God there. And then he had them all killed. He destroyed the paganism that was in the land. Now, okay, so far Jehu, he destroyed the wicked king, the wicked queen. He destroyed all their offspring. He destroyed the Baal worshippers, tore down the altars. He is on his way to the high level. Baal worship was eradicated from Israel. Jehu was living on the edge of success. However, oh man, verse 29 starts off with, however. However, as for the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel sin, from these Jehu did not depart. Even the golden calves that were at Bethel and that were at Dan. In other words, here's what's happening. Jehu did not depart completely from idolatry because he felt he was still worshiping the Lord. He did so much good that he still thought he was in the will of God even though he was participating in evil. Isn't that a common occurrence today? How many people think because they worship God that they do not have to depart from certain 
other practices. Hey, I go to church. I believe in Jesus. And they, and they, they continue with other practices that they were involved with, like even before their salvation. So the follower of Christ that gets drunk, the follower of Christ that commits adultery, the follower of Christ that lives in immorality, the follower of, the follower of Christ that is verbally or physically abusive, the follower of Christ that cheats or lies. Let me tell you something. It's a deception to think that you can retain the practices that are anti-God, though you're still worshiping God. (laughs) That's the deception. I better say it again. It's a deception to think that you can retain the practices that are anti-God, though you are still worshiping God. You know, Satan does deceive the whole world. God promised Jehu, because he carried out the word of the Lord, that his next four generations would reign over Israel. But, verse 31, Jehu did not take heed to walk in the law of Jehovah, the God of Israel, with all of his heart. He did not turn from the sins of Jeroboam, who caused Israel to sin. What are we saying today? Jehu's worship toward God was mediocre. Jehu's commitment to God was mediocre. Oh, he did a lot of good things that God had given him, but he retained a lot of the evil things that he refused to eradicate from his life because he thought he was just like good enough. And you know what the result of Jehu's mediocrity was as a king? Israel began to lose their land. And nothing more is recorded about the life of Jehu in Old Testament history. He kind of like vaporized. He disappeared off the scene. That's it. Where's Jehu? I don't know. He's gone. See, that's what happens when you live a mediocre lifestyle living at the level of mediocrity. You know, Jesus says if you want to to worship God, that's beautiful. Here's what you got to do. You got to love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. You got to live at the high level. Your relationship with God must be at the high level. Not at the low level and not at the level of mediocrity. It's not going to work. Let's take a look at some of the strengths and accomplishments of Jehu. Because he did have good things going. He took the throne that God gave him. He See, he had a level of obedience. The problem was he let that obedience be a reason or an excuse to still live in disobedience. He destroyed the evil influence of Ahab and Jezebel. He destroyed Baal worship, but he made some mistakes. He was a fierce warrior that made him too full of himself. 
How do you know when you're too full of yourself, when you're overconfident, when you dabble in idolatry, but you're still worshiping God? See, he was devoted to God only to the point where it served his own interests. I would call him, if he was around today, a convenient Christian. Know anybody like that? Oh, is that you? Is that you out there in Facebook land? Is that you out there in radio land? A convenient Christian. Devoted to the God, devoted to God, only to the point that it serves your interests. Oh man, I have experienced countless Christians that are convenient Christians. They believe the word of God. They abide in the word of God until it doesn't give them what they want. They can't have what they want. And then they make all kinds of excuses as to why they're going to go after that guy's wife and that guy's husband, even though the word of God forbids it. Or they they go after the drugs, or they go after this, or they go to the casino, or they, they do all this stuff. They, they make excuses why they can do all that stuff because they're so good on the other side. See, that's mediocrity. That's the sin of mediocrity. Would you want your steak cooked, mediocre, throw it in the pan, and before it's finished, you have to eat it? That would poison you. Would you want your company to perform mediocre, Would you want your health to be mediocre? You know, there's not much good stuff that's going on that's really mediocre. You want things to be at the highest level possible. And if your worship to God and your relationship with God is mediocre, it's like, eh. You want your spouse's love to be mediocre? See, mediocre doesn't cut it. So what are some lessons that we can learn from Jehu's life? That commitment to God must be, here it comes, complete commitment. Complete. You know what's happening? We're living in a generation where people are not completely committed to too much. We're not. Loyalty is obscure. Commitment's hard to find. Faithfulness is fading. It's a fading quality. We've become a generation of me, me, me. We've become a me generation. And that's pretty sad. That's the destruction of a nation. That's the destruction of a church. It's the destruction of a family, of a company, of a person. It really is. It cannot be a me, me generation. What can we learn from Jehu? Too high an estimation of self can place you above God's perfect will for your life. Oh, He didn't realize who he was in God. I mean, think about it. God called him to be a great king and clean up Israel and be a great leader and a great warrior, but he didn't finish the job. And you know, every believer that names the name of Christ the Savior is called by God. If there's a calling on your life and God has called you to greatness, Greatness, not that you'll be famous and well-known, but God has things for you to do, and whatever he has for you to do, it's great. And you know why? 
Because God is great. There are no small things that we do for God. Because God is big. So whatever he gives you to do, it's great. And it's big. And you cannot accomplish it with an attitude of mediocrity. Ain't going to work. It's not going to work. You want to go to a doctor that's mediocre in his profession? You know, like that commercial? Hey, I got my license back. Almost. <laughs> okay is not good enough. Okay is not okay. Right? Remember that commercial? Okay is not okay. Well, mediocrity is not okay. Okay is not okay with God. God is looking for people that love him with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, and all their strength. So there are some lessons for us in this. Here are some things that we can apply to our lives. Abide in God's word. Oh, here it comes. Completely. Don't pick and choose. Well, I like this one, but I don't like that one. No, abide in the word of God completely. Don't just obey because it's convenient. Because a mediocre Christian life can do more harm than good. Because that's deception. You don't want to live a life of deception. No, you don't want to do that. You want to live a life that is real, that is genuine, that is legitimate. Action point. Which level do you think you're living at right now? The high level of commitment, the mediocre level, or the low level? Just evaluate your own self right now. Identify an area of your life where maybe you have compromised your faithfulness to God. And then what? You know what? Weed it out. Weed it out. Don't repeat the mistakes of Jehu. Jehu, he either, he either couldn't or wouldn't break totally free from the way of the world. I don't know if he couldn't. I don't know if he wouldn't. But, you know, these are times, and we have to do this regularly, have a time of introspection. We look within. You know, the Apostle Paul said, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Are you operating according to the faith that you say you have? And it's okay. And you might find an area of your life where, yeah, man, I'm not all that. Okay, weed it out. I know I have them. I'm always always weeding. Weeding's this, weeding that. That doesn't belong there. Get that out. In some weeds, they're tough to get out. You know that? You ever try to pull crabgrass out of the ground? Those roots go deep. It's tough. Tough to yank that stuff out. Dandelions. Sometimes you, you grab the leaves and pull them up, but the roots are still there. Get a fight to get those things out. Well, sometimes our practices are like that. We have to fight. You have to fight to get them out. Don't be condemned. Don't be guilty. We all have a sin nature. We're all flawed. So we look at our lives and we say, what area of my life lacks commitment to my Lord? What area of my life is stopping me from living at the highest level? Because I don't want to live at the low level. No, I don't want to live at the mediocre level. I want to live at the high level. So I try to identify those things that are holding me down. And then I got to weed them out, pull them out. And it's hard work sometimes. And don't give up. And don't quit. This whole series is about life lessons from Bible people. 
The next person we're going to study is going to be, now we're jumping into the New Testament, Matthew. Remember Matthew? Oh, yeah, he's, I like Matthew. We're going to learn some things from Matthew. But it's so important. I appreciate everybody that listens to New Hope Radio. And thankful for WARV for being in existence that allows us to preach the Word of God. How important it is. But remember the key. Remember what Jesus said. He that has ears, let him hear. You have to hear spiritually. And James added to that and he said, Don't be just a hearer of the Word, but be a doer. So we're we're very thankful to God that we can bring you the Word of God, but we've got to be a doer. It's not enough to hear it. It's not enough to say, oh, I like that message. We have to be doers of the Word. And that's why it's okay to hear things over and over and over again. I need a lot of repetition. Me. I do. I need to, I, if I hear something once, it's gone. I need Prevagen, a memory enhancer. I don't mind hearing it over and over because it goes deeper into the soul. So it's okay to keep hearing things because we want to abide in what we're hearing. We want to live in it so we can live at the highest level, the highest level of commitment to the God that loves us and the God that we love as well. Hey, I want to thank you for coming along. You know, we're living in very difficult times. And so I just want to remind you, be available to be a helper to someone else. You know, as the church, right? Jesus said, we're like a city on a hill. And you look to that city and you look to the lights in the city. And when the, when the travelers looked at the city at night, you know what they got? Hope. There's a city. We can find refuge there. We can find help there. And that's what we are as the church. A place of refuge. A place of hope. During these difficult times, be available. Try to find ways to be that refuge, to bring help to people. We are not hoarders. We are helpers. That's how the church can make a difference. The church can make the greatest difference. And in the love that we show and the compassion and the help that we give, Jesus Christ is lifted up. He's glorified. And who knows how that can change the lives of those you're helping as well as it changes your own life. Because when you help others, it softens your heart. And it makes other people realize how valuable they truly are. So keep that in mind as we go through this crisis, and I'll be with you next time for more of New Hope Radio.